0: This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 69 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and here is Mindy Carney. Hello. Hello, that was very enthusiastic. Yes. Yeah. Just
1: came back from a break, so I've got all kinds of energy.
0: Are you full of like holiday spirit today. and things?
1: Do I have my Star Wars Christmas sweater on today?
0: Ah, yes. With
1: my buffalo plaid vest, I'm very festive today.
0: You're looking very seasonal.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank I am you. not. No. <laughs> no, you're not.
0: <laughs> By <a> humbug.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. All right. News and follow up?
0: Let's Let's do it. Let's do it. So I thought this would be an interesting uh, thing to start with. We okay. did have some conversation on the yeah. old Twitters. Twitters. About our last episode on flipped classrooms. Yes. So um, might be worth sharing. Yeah. Just okay. uh, see what you thought about this. See yeah. if you had anything to add, because I noticed you didn't really jump in, but...
1: Uh, I didn't.
0: No. Amber no. answered most of those yeah, questions was like, on Yeah, I like, oh, there.
1: okay, well...
0: So a friend of the show, Josh Allen, yep. said he wondered if another part of the flipped classroom demise, air quotes, mm-hmm. is a backlash on assigning homework outside yeah. the classroom, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting idea, too.
1: I do. I The only thing I would say that um, I don't know that watching the uh, instructional videos, I don't know that I would classify that as like your traditional homework. And I feel like the reason that tri- that homework is not um, effective is because um, it doesn't have a lot of purpose for students. I mean, homework is only effective when it has a purpose.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: So, I kind of feel like flipped videos are have a, a much higher purpose than let's say, like, you know, problems two through 30.
0: I would agree with that.
1: So, um, but I do like to think that teachers are no longer assigning homework because research shows that it's not very effective. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the case.
0: John Hattie's research. Yeah. That you are mm-hmm. kind of knee yes. deep in.
1: But what I would say, once again, is that the reason that homework is not effective is because it's not purposeful. So,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes, it's the type of homework, right. not just homework. It's as not a homework concept. in
1: general. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see homework, you know, abolished across the board. Because who wants to come home after eight hours of day and do more work? Not certainly not me. For sure. But anyway,
0: um, more feedback on that one. This time from <laughs> Todd Norton. He wondered that if flipped classroom works. If only one teacher is doing it, because once a student oh. has multiple classes oh, doing flipped yeah. content, yeah, yeah, I saw that. their yeah. work becomes more unreasonable. And I guess this mm-hmm. is related to the homework idea that sure. you know you're just watching like an hour of videos right. one night because all your teachers are doing flipped classrooms. Right, right. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, um, I do think within the f- flip, and I think we had this we, uh, when Amber was here. We talked about this: is that your video should be no longer than like. I mean, really, five to seven minutes? Can mm-hmm. kids older kids go longer than that? Yes. Should your instructional videos be any longer than that? Probably not. So even if you have, um, you know, eight classes a day and one instructional video for each one of those, that's still only 40 minutes for, like, a high school student. That's, I think, still somewhat attainable. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, if your instructional videos are an hour apiece, first of all, you're doing it wrong. And secondly, yeah, that would be... That'd be awful.
0: Yeah, and I would also suggest that maybe if you are flipping your classroom, you're not doing five videos a week. Right. You might be introducing a topic and then working yeah. on it for two or three days yeah, before right. you have to introduce something else, right. depending on the subject you're working on. And so Amber said that it would be good to you know, collaborate with those other teachers just yeah, to make sure so. that not everybody's doing things on the same night. Mm-hmm. And she also put forward the idea of that in-class flip. Yeah, right. Making a difference for that. So you can still right. flip your instruction but mm-hmm. just do it in the classroom instead of out the classroom.
1: Yeah, and if you have those videos, you know, curated from years past or whatever, too, you can just pull them for kids when they need them instead of just assigning one to assign it every night and kids you know, if they have some place that they can go and grab the video that they actually need at the time is pretty effective too. Yeah. Right. Absolutely.
0: So- Also from Todd Norton was some examples of Google Earth stories. Oh. We talked about those. Remember the new Google Earth on the web and how you were asking about what those stories were and what that looked like. Yeah. So uh, Kim Polishuk from Shooks and GIF Mm -hmm. has put together a little collection of other teachers Who have created stories using the new Google Earth? There's things on here for like man made disasters. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's even like a a geography quiz. Which I failed at quite miserably. Okay. Um, I didn't know you could do quizzes inside of Google I didn't Earth. But... Know
1: anything about Google Earth? To be completely honest with you. So
0: there you go. If you are <laughs> looking for some examples, they even have one here that says tutorials for Google Earth creation tool. Oh, You'll that's like nice. That. Yes. Hmm. So I linked a little collection of those, and I will put those in the show notes.
1: Good one. All right. So um, Schoology was acquired by PowerSchool. Yes. yes. <laughs> What's going on there? I think
0: that happened recently, kind of in October time. I don't know if it's officially, like closed yet, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was worth mentioning because I know we have some Schoology users out there. We do, We certainly have some PowerSchool users out there.
1: Well, we definitely do here. I don't know. I mean, PowerSchool is it? as widely used in the rest of the United States as it is here in Iowa.
0: That I cannot comment on.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: But definitely it is popular here in Iowa. I think PowerSchool also, they acquired Haiku Learning earlier this year sometime, maybe last year.
1: Mm was like three years ago. Was it really it? that long ago? Yes. Okay. Because then they, then they moved it, changed it into something. The
0: unified classroom. Yes. yes. And I
1: feel like that was like a couple years ago.
0: Okay. Could be. Time flies when you're having fun with LMSs.
1: I guess, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I do, yeah, I think it's interesting that now they've acquired another LMS. And I also wonder about what kind of relationship that... Um, means for other LMSs that are incorporated with PowerSchool. So, like, because Mm -hmm. Canvas and PowerSchool can integrate, does that, Mm -hmm. you know, will they still integrate, I'm using your quotes, as well as, you know, they have in the past now that they've acquired another LMS and... I don't know.
0: Well, I'm sure Canvas is next on PowerSchool's list. Maybe so there's not many oh, left. Geez. Oh boy,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> it says uh, on their press statement that uh, PowerSchool and Schoology will continue to operate separately oh. until an official close has been announced. Oh boy. So, but well, that makes you wonder what the future is going to be like for Schoology. Mm-hmm. If, hopefully, they w- they won't change anything mid mid school year. Can I they? Think I mean, so. that would be a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> also, on the acquisition front. ISTE has bought Edsearch. Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting one, wasn't it? was it? kind
1: of interesting.
0: So Betsy Corcoran, the CEO of EdSearch, says the move to a nonprofit profit organization will better fit the company's mission of providing independent news and information to those in education. They were a for-profit company before and right. had ads and sponsors and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And now ISTE is taking over. ISTI being a non organization, they're going to mm. assume all the editorial Talents of EdSurge.
1: I'll be interested to see how that changes EdSurge um, itself. You know, like what it will look like now, and how, what that marrying of companies will look like. Yeah, hmm.
0: it's the expects to hire most of the EdSurge employees as staff members, but uh, nobody is talking about how much this cost.
1: No, hmm. of course they're not. No, no nope.
0: undisclosed amount. Yes.
1: So this is interesting because I saw you had this um, link on here, and I'm like. What? I didn't know that this was up for debate. So, explain yourself.
0: So, on the show notes here, it says RemoveBG is still one hundred percent free. Right. In my Twitter timeline, I'm starting to see some people looking for alternatives to RemoveBG oh, and saying because if you go to their website and mm-hmm. you can click up at the top there where it says pricing,
1: I'm not going to. I'm just going to let you do it and talk me through it. Okay.
0: And it shows you some different tiers of things you can pay for at remove.bg. And so so some teachers on Twitter are starting to say, hey, this is bad news because this was an awesome tool. And it was free. And now we're going paid like all those other tools that you love so much. Right. Padlet, <laughs> <laughs> Um And I happened to see this tweet and this conversation people were having back and forward and remove.bg said, hey there, just to clarify, remove.bg is still 100% free. Mm-hmm. Our pricing refers to additional features such as a high resolution quality, mm-hmm. commercial usage, mm-hmm. or the API usage. Okay. So,
1: so everybody was just upset for nothing?
0: I feel like maybe that was part of it. Oh, whoops. Just thought maybe I'd clarify whoops. that.
1: Nothing like going to social media and ranting about something. Yeah. To have it not be true. <laughs>
0: because I saw this alternative. It was like, stick, you know, Sticker Mule.
1: Uh, no, I don't the think The company so. that prints stickers. Oh, sure. Okay. They,
0: they have a tool apparently where you can upload an image and then oh. remove the background so you can put it on your sticker. Oh. But you can also just use it for whatever you oh, want. But I see. It okay. It doesn't work as well as remove.bg mm-hmm. when I tried it. So yeah. I'm going to, Stick with OPG for yeah.
1: now. I just showed it like maybe a month ago. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's just like a tap of a button. Yeah. It's awesome. For sure. Yeah. All right. So um, I added this updates to Flipgrid. Have you seen some of these new
0: updates? I have not. Okay. You are educating me here. Okay. Go for it. I'm
1: just going to run through them quick. So one of the um, new features is being able to sort student responses um, so that you can, I think, Just tap on student names and it will sort um, videos that way. I don't have a use for this, so I can't really demo it because I don't have like a class for Flipgrid.
0: Sort by last name. Yeah, so sort by
1: last name. Mm -hmm. Um, Record without audio. It's
0: interesting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is interesting.
1: Yeah. So you can, if you just want to use the whiteboard, this is how I thought about it. I mean, their example is like if they're learning American Sign Language, which Mm -hmm. is very much a possibility. Um, How I felt maybe was a little bit more realistic was with whiteboard mode that you could just do a problem without actually having to talk to, you know, so you would it would take care of all that background knowledge. You wouldn't, Or background sound, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so you wouldn't have to talk at all or listen to the background noise of your classroom.
0: Yeah, we, talk about, we talked about it at one point where not all students are comfortable having their face on yeah. video. Right. So we had that pixelated mode yeah. or just a pure whiteboard mode. Up. Yeah. But maybe not everybody's comfortable with their voice yeah. either, but it still gives them an opportunity to communicate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what they want to do.
1: Yeah. Um, they've added immersive reader into feedback.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Yep. And um, added playback speed.
0: Right. And we
1: do like playback speed to be, um, you know, I don't know. What do you say? Changeable? Variable. Variable. Thank you. And they've added a rainbow pen. Wow. Yay. And... Cesar <laughs> will be
0: uh, <laughs> right on knocking on their door. <laughs> oh,
1: and you know what? I didn't look at this last one. It says number six, new tools to kickstart the conversation. Um, oh, as a teacher, you can record as a student straight from the educator admin instead of having to go to the board itself. Okay. Which is nice. Yeah. One less step. So a couple new updates to Flipgrid. That's why it's always so important to provide feedback for your ed tech companies. Those were all by teacher requests. they said.
0: By teacher request? By teacher request. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Okay. Up next, serve to you piping hot. Our main course today is extra, extra, read all about it.
0: Do you know the origin (laughs) of that phrase?
1: Oh, God, no. Is it bad? Is it socially inappropriate? No, I don't think so.
0: I don't think the PowerPoint coach would pop up a a little warning for that one. Okay, good. But I looked it up because I I was trying to think, what could we call this little segment? And uh, apparently there was a time several years ago, apparently.
1: Several, probably like, what, 80?
0: Yeah, (laughs) You know, when people got their news before the internet, it was from something called a newspaper.
1: Oh, a newspaper. Yeah. Mm Some
0: people used to stand on street corners selling these newspapers. Right. Now, unfortunately, you know, breaking news happens whenever breaking news happens. Right. So sometimes the newspaper would print an extra copy, an extra edition. Oh, during the the day? Yes, or maybe like an evening edition or something because something happened in the news and then the street sellers would hang around saying extra, extra. It's an extra edition. So it might be an updated version with the new headlines on it or it might just be like an extra version. Like a piece or something. Yeah, that has Uh, the new story on it. There you go. A little bit of education for you there. Mm, That's really nice. But Mindy and I do like to read a lot of different Mm -hmm. and varied things and that's kind of what the... Episode today is going to be about. Yeah, we were going to share some of the things that we've been reading as a as a topic of conversation sure. here to <laughs> see where that leads us.
1: We don't really know where it's going to lead us. We don't really know no, where that have will no clue lead us. If this is going to be any good or not? Let's yeah, but there are okay. definitely
0: podcasts that follow this format. Okay. I mean, I listen to the EdTech Situation Room, and that's something they do every every week. They'll go through mm. a list of articles and things that they've read and talk about sure. how that's relevant to education and, and mm. what that could mean for us. Yeah. So mm. we're going to. Try and do something okay. similar today.
1: All right, do you want me
0: to go first? You can go first.
1: Okay. So, um, I know that I talk a lot about Hattie on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit more Hattie today. Okay. Um, I just recently purchased the Visible Learning and the Science of How We Learn book, and it is—I have to look it up. Um, John Hattie and Gregory Gates. And why I chose this book to start reading, and I'm only like through like chapter three or something like that, but um, is because I think it's really interesting to think a little bit about um, the different instructional strategies that we've been researching and actually when the best time is to use those instructional strategies. Mm -hmm. And so this book kind of dives in a little bit more into um, kind of understanding the different stages of learning. And um, kind of the nuances of how we learn. So our brain, in fact, would choose not to learn anything at all. Isn't that interesting to think about?
0: By default, our brains default, would choose not to By default, our brain would choose
1: not necessarily to be lazy, but because it takes, um, if we are trying to conserve energy, thinking mm-hmm. takes energy. And so we do have to push our brains to actually learn, but we also have to be considered of breaks and things like that. Anyway, I'm only into, like like I said, Chapter 3, but it's been, um, I think, pretty interesting to think a little bit about um, how our students learn and, and taking that into consideration when we are in the classroom.
0: It's interesting because when we went to see John Hattie recently, yeah. one of the things that he hears quite a lot are... You know, why is this strategy way down here? It must be a bad strategy. Right. When it's not necessarily a bad strategy, it's either Mm -hmm. not implemented well or it's not implemented at the right Right time. time. Mm -hmm. And that would fit in with that kind of um, Mm -hmm. idea there. So, you know, things like inquiry based learning and PBL and stuff like that are pretty low on Hattie's list of Mm -hmm. effect size. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean those are bad things.
1: Right. And I think it's interesting that you bring up the PBL thing because I say this to people a lot because I think we have a lot of schools that are looking into PBL um, because I think they understand how effective it can be for kids because they can see it um, as authentic learning opportunities. However, you have to have a lot of knowledge about something before you can be engaged in a problem with that knowledge. And a lot of times, um, instead, we give students a problem and expect them to acquire that knowledge as they go. And in fact, that is not effective at all. But yeah, I think it's, it's just kind of an interesting to think about, which also um, led me to reading a white paper called um, Learning Strategies, a Synthesis and Conceptual Model, which really talks about the different... Stages of learning, as far as um, acquiring knowledge, moving to um, consolidating to deeper understanding, all of the different stages of um, learning, which, once again, then we have to really know what learning strategies um, to kind of show and model students how to use during those different times but how important it is for students to understand where they are in that process of understanding too so that they know what strategies would be most effective in that stage of their learning.
0: That's a really nuanced thing to to think about, to Mm -hmm. have students that deeply down that rabbit hole to think about which strategy or which time is going to benefit me the most. Yeah, Yeah, right.
1: But that's the metacognition.
0: That's the metacognition part. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes.
1: And that is highly effective because it makes kids very independent learners, too. So, you know, we talk so much about the 21st century learner or lifelong learners and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So same terms mm-hmm. over and over again. But we don't do anything to actually... Um, you know, move students forward and how important it is for our students to have those skills for when they do go into the workforce or go to college or trade schools or whatever. They have to they're not going to have somebody there in, in those situations modeling how to be strategic about their learning. Right. They're supposed to have those skills when they get to wherever it is they're going. And if we're not giving those tools to students, those really are the most important skills because you can learn anything if you know how to learn. So that's my mic drop for today. I like
0: that. I like that a lot. And it actually ties in with something else I've been um, reading recently too. All right. So just for the dear listener here, you know, we tried to put a balance on this and we gave Mindy all the books and white papers (laughs) and I just read all the blog posts. (laughs) But uh, one of the things I read was on the the BBC uh, site and it's called Is AQ More Important Than Intelligence?
1: Oh, I don't know what AQ stands for.
0: Well, I know. I didn't know either. It intrigued me to think about what what is this? Okay. In times gone by we looked at things like an IQ test as mm-hmm. a test of how intelligent somebody was for doing a particular task. Right. And Over time, that evolved into something called EQ, which is emotional intelligence, Um, the ability to have a set of interpersonal skills, self-regulation and communication type skills for the workplace. Uh But now we're getting into something called AQ, which is your adaptability quotient, not just the capacity to absorb new information, but the ability to work out what is relevant to unlearn obsolete knowledge. Overcome oh, yes. challenges uh-huh. and make a conscious effort to change. Mm-hmm. So you need to be flexible and curious and courageous and resilient huh. and have good problem-solving skills.
1: Oh wow, that really does connect. We're yes. to read that. That's interesting. It's Who's t- that by? I mean, where, where is it?
0: This is by um, Seb Murray, who is writing for the BBC Work Life uh, okay. website, and mm-hmm. so I was thinking about. Well, you know, you're talking about students going yeah. into the workplace later, yeah. and we always talk about those things where, you know, it's so hard to prepare students for mm-hmm. something yep. that they might be doing that doesn't yet exist, I for know, instance. You know, like elementary teachers, you know, you hear that all the yep. time. By yep. the time they leave high school, they'll be doing a job that doesn't exist. How mm-hmm. do you prepare them for that? Right. And that's where we get into things like the four C's, right. the five C's, your, but and then the, this as well, your adaptability. C's. Yes.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I thought that was worth thinking about as a teacher. You know, we can prepare them for everything, mm-hmm. but we can give them skills and abilities as, as learners mm-hmm. uh, to be productive.
1: So, I'll piggyback off of that because um, during my reading with, um, I think it was, ooh, which one? I think it was the Learning Strategies white paper that I read led me to another white paper called... Now, stick with me on this, okay? It's help seeking tendencies during early adolescence, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the hyphen with the, or the colon with all the other information. And um, I think this is really interesting because... Um, in middle, I always, and Beth Swanson, I talk about this sometimes Beth really talks about it a lot. So maybe I just listen and these are not my ideas at all, but how middle school is such like kind of this interesting thing because they're not really little kids in elementary school anymore Mm -hmm. and they're not, um, obviously high school kids either. And so they're kind of at this stuck in between age. And so, um, a lot of times, um, middle schools are kind of stuck. Like, do we still kind of try and nurture and, um, you know, really love, well, we should do those things anyway. But when I, I guess one of the things I've heard Beth say before is in our middle schools, are we just making them mini high schools? And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So um, this research was all done around middle school students and whether or not they have help seeking skills.
0: Can you define help seeking skills? So
1: help seeking skills would be um, uh, being aware of when they need help, where they need help, and then actually having the confidence or I don't know, I'm just going to go with confidence to go and ask a teacher for help in yeah. that situation okay. and how students are much more successful in middle school if they have those help seeking um, tendencies over students who don't. That makes sense. The reason students sometimes don't have the confidence for help seeking is because of a couple of different factors. One of them might be um, their social confidence. So whether or not how they foresee kids um, how they foresee kids seeing them asking for help, um, also about relationships with um, those teachers as well, and then there's one other one that I can't remember off the top of my head, but I thought it was super interesting that if we were to spend more time in middle school showing our students and modeling our students how to actually seek help, that they'll be more successful not only in middle school but of course in times going forward and. I mean, did you ever teach that to your students? How do you ask for help?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing because what that looks like in elementary and what that looks right. like in middle school is Are different. different. Mm-hmm. And I can attest to that because, you know, I have my daughter's in middle school this yeah. year, first year. yeah, And she's gone from being a big fish in a little pool yeah. to being a little fish in a big pool. Yeah. Even if you did have some of that confidence you're talking about, mm-hmm. you certainly lose a little bit of yeah. it, I think, when you go up to middle school and yeah. then you've had female teachers your whole life and now suddenly you've got male teachers or yeah, right. and they're a little bit scarier sometimes. Yeah, right, yeah? Right, sure, so, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a different environment. It's a different place to be, middle school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's certainly something worth thinking about.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting. It was just something I hadn't ever thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, "Oh, wow, this is this is super interesting because I mean, the research makes sense. Like it's common sense, I think, but um bringing it kind of, I don't know, to the forefront of I being mean, like how are we teaching our kids, you know, to actually seek help and to And even some of it is narrowing down what kinds of questions to ask when they go to seek help. So um, if you're asking help with someone who you might deem as a little bit scarier or a little bit more intimidating to go and ask for help, you also then have to be ready with the right type of question.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And just going to be like, I don't get it, isn't probably going to get you where you need to go with that teacher. So. You know, I Just kind of a random article that I came across, but I thought it was kind of interesting.
0: Well, speaking of Beth Swans, okay, my next article <laughs> here came from Beth Swans.
1: Oh, all right.
0: Yeah, so it's not actually from Beth, but it was uh, written by Caitlin Tucker. Okay. And Beth pointed me in this direction at one of your blended learning sessions okay. that I was attending, mm-hmm. and I think this is really interesting because I wish, I wish I had this in front of me, like when I was teaching in the classroom Mm -hmm. because it's about grading and grading is something that can quickly overwhelm a teacher. Mm -hmm. You can get stuck in this rut of having things constantly to grade Mm -hmm. or having a pile of stuff on your desk to grade. And although it's good to know how your students are doing, it Mm -hmm. really does wear you down over time. Yeah. So, The article is called Ask Yourself, Why Am I Grading This? Uh And Catelyn Tucker went through the same kind of experience of getting depressed by grading. And she asked herself the question, what is the purpose of this work that the students are doing? Mm -hmm. And she proposes that if it's practice or review work, No feedback is really needed, Hmm. and no grade is really needed. Hmm. They're just practicing a skill, reviewing a concept. They're going Mm -hmm. back over stuff that they already know as practice, basically. If they are working towards a product, like they're working towards a project that they're working on, uh, they have some kind of final... Like
1: it's a draft and a revision and so on and so forth. Exactly. Okay.
0: Then again, there would be feedback from Mm -hmm. the teacher on that, but you don't need to grade that either which is interesting. You and don't then, need to
1: grade it, because, but you do provide feedback. Yes. Right, yes. Yes, you're giving okay.
0: feedback to students, yes. but you're not grading, grading their progress yes. along the way to okay, something.
1: I hope not. We're not doing that, are we?
0: And then you get to the assessment or the finished product, right. and that you would there grade. And, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting thing to think about. If mm-hmm. you are, you know, starting your teaching journey you get into the habit of just giving out everything to kids and grading everything that comes back in whether it's homework or worksheets or whatever it is they're doing if they're making marks on paper you have to grade it Mm -hmm. and I wonder if all schools would be Mm -hmm. okay with that Mm -hmm. kind of practice you know or does it look like A teacher and just not grading student work.
1: Well, to me, I think that it's important that students do get some sort of feedback on their work. It doesn't have to be from the teacher, though, right? So Mm -hmm. if they're practicing problems or something, they they should have some way to check yeah. whether or not they've you can done it correctly. pair
0: them up with other students. Right. They can self-assess, check each other's work. I mean, they'll get the answers work. at the back of the
1: book. Exactly. Give them a calculator. I mean, yeah. but they should have some way to check. I don't think you can just be like, I'm not, I didn't look at that. I'm sure it's fine. I mean, I think the students, I think it's important for them to have the independence. Well, to- oh, let's go
0: back to teaching them those skills yes, that you right. were talking about earlier, right. too.
1: Yeah, I'm all on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And then, you know, it makes sense. You know, they're working towards a final product and then you get feedback in there as they're going along right. to help them mm-hmm. before they do their final, their project there. Right. But yeah, I think it fits in with all that, you know, mastery-based yeah. learning and things like that too.
1: The other thing I would say too with um, this blended learning model is that there's still small group instruction within there. So you're still meeting face-to-face with kids mm-hmm. during this model, right? And so- It's not like they're just, you know, sitting at their desks working independently while you're, you know, I don't know, (laughs) not working in small groups, Um, but it's you're still meeting with them face to face. So that's a good time to check too to see where the kids are at and answer any questions and things like that. So
0: so. Yeah, and maybe following on from that Mm -hmm. is an Edutopia article I read called Bringing Student Choice to Assessment in Science Classes. Oh, okay. And I thought this was interesting. It's from November 13th. It says, what happens when students can opt to skip tests and give oral presentations or create art to show what they know? Yes, Yes, you agree. You're all in. Yes. So this teacher was looking at some of the things the kids enjoyed doing throughout the year and thinking, well, there's more ways than just a chapter test or Mm -hmm. whatever to show what you know. Yep. And um, she gave students choices over the type of things that they could do for a final assessment. Mm -hmm. So... um, The overall percentages from the first semester, lab work, 95% of students wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. Small group work, 93%. Journaling, Mm. 90%. Mm. Oral reports, 40%. They had a writing cluster, which is 15%. Artwork, 12%. Written tests, 6%. Mm. So maybe not surprising that, you know, after however many years of, you know, school the kids have had on being tested on things that they're trying to opt out by high school. But Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you thought about that alternative assessment method.
1: Um, I completely agree. I think it's also important for kids to have... um, kind of an open door as far as being an advocate for a different type of assessment for themselves. So tying back a little bit to being help seekers and having the ability to go to a teacher and, you know, make requests about things, I think it's also important for students to be taught and given the freedom to be advocates for themselves. So if I can come to you and say, I know you're asking this of me, is it possible for me to show you in a different way? Here's what I was thinking. Um I think that's that's really great, right? So um, I feel like this kind of goes in the into the same thing. It sounds a little bit more like a choice board, right? Like so they could Mm -hmm. choose, I could do this or I could do this. But also, given students the you know if they want to be creative in their assessment and pitch some idea to me, then go ahead and do that. I also have the right to say no. You know, it's not going to work or that's not quite what I was thinking. Or
0: and I feel like if you were clever enough with it, you could write a rubric. That was Mm -hmm. broad enough that said, so these are the things you need to show and prove that you Mm -hmm. have an understanding of. Whatever you choose, you choose to make a video, you choose to do some artwork or whatever, you still have to hit these points, no matter what it is. Because this is what I am looking for when I give a chapter test out Mm -hmm. to you. This is what I'm assessing your knowledge on. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I think you could and definitely. And what a
1: great alignment with standards-based grading, too, of sorts, right? Like, it also might make you examine what your written tests look like. So if it's just multiple-choice questions um, with Google Forms, and then you might think, gosh, I can't even write a rubric for this because it's just A, B, or C, A, B, or C, A, B, or C. It might make you think a little bit differently about the types of things that you're assessing, too. I like it, though. I like the idea of starting to give kids some choice in how they share things. Everybody wants to play off their strengths, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You got anything else on your list?
1: Um, yeah, I guess I'm still reading Pathways to Personalization, which is the Highlander Institute. Um, and right now I'm just in the second part of the book as we're doing it as a book club. So I've just been chipping away at it. But um, right now this section is about um, how to create pilot groups and the characteristics of teachers um, within pilot groups and how those pilot groups groups should work, and it's kind of interesting. It's interesting to think about the characteristics of, you know, um, teachers that would be part of those groups, and how you recruit them to be part of the group, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's just been kind of interesting, but um, I'm only, I got like 70 more pages in that section to read, so that's what I'm going to say about that.
0: And the Highlander Institute are here at Grant Wood helping support our blended learning initiative this year, so... yeah. We've had some good experiences yeah, with them. Yeah,
1: absolutely. What about you? Anything else?
0: I got one last one okay. to share, maybe, maybe a fun one to round it out on. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm using "fun" in air quotes here. Yes, right. So, this is from Ed Week, Education Week, mm-hmm. and is the title of the article is "Feds Warn Teachers to Disclose Ties to EdTech Vendors." Oh. This is an interesting one. Any educator who receives freebies for promoting an educational product or service must make that connection clear Mm -hmm. in social media posts when they tout the brand, according to FTC guidance released recently. Huh. Now, it's not enough just to put in your... Twitter profile. Mm-hmm. I am a Microsoft Innovative Educator right. or an Apple Distinguished Educator or a Google Certified, whatever.
1: Seesaw Ambassador.
0: Seesaw Ambassador. Oh boy. Okay. You, if you are saying, "Hey, look at this amazing thing with Seesaw. Seesaw is so awesome," and mm-hmm. whatever, you need to put a little disclaimer on there. By the way, I am a
1: Seesaw Ambassador. No, I get it. So, I guess
0: anyone who has an arrangement with a brand yeah. should disclose it, says the FTC. And you know, we see a lot of these. Amb- ambassadorships yes, floating around now yeah. with Google, Microsoft, Flipgrid, you mm-hmm. know, all of the other companies are looking for teachers to help promote their services. And right. if you are just doing it cuz you love it and you're not getting anything from it, mm-hmm. then then great. You're just mm-hmm. helping them out with some right. PD and stuff. But if you're getting, you know, a free account for this, sure. if they're sending you t-shirts, if you're mm-hmm. getting, I don't know, extra gifts or they're paying you money to do it, then you are an influencer. And Mm -hmm. as such, you need to disclose these things Mm. online. Interesting. It is interesting. So it
1: isn't. So with like the Flipgrid, is it Flipgrid ambassadors? Do they have or educators? What do they call? I think
0: they're ambassadors.
1: But like Flipgrid's free, so
0: yes, it is. So would you now? Still have it to is disclose, free.
1: Yeah, but before it wasn't. But now it is. So would you have to disclose it if you're disclose it if you're a Flipgrid ambassador? Now, are
0: you getting any swag from no. Flipgrid? Are they giving you t-shirts it's and still hoodies free, and so what, who cares? stickers? And well, it's, they're they're paying you in a way to no. promote their products with. All right some little gifts on yeah. the site.
1: Where I find this very interesting is yeah, with edgy celebrities, Yes, when you are reading their blog posts mm-hmm. about a tool, you should always scroll to the bottom and see whether or not, because they usually do disclose whether or not that blog post was written because they have a partnership with
0: Correct. a company. Yes.
1: You should always remember
0: that. And... Technically speaking, those things should be somewhere near the top,
1: and but they're not. But always. they're not always.
0: Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the last little disclaimer mm-hmm. at the bottom. But right. you know, it's supposed to be clear and visible yeah. that what you are reading, yeah, does have some kind of sponsorship yeah. or connection right. with another company. And I company. do think
1: that I have read edgy celebrity blogs before and I'm like, wow, I don't agree with this at all. And then I scrolled to the bottom I'm like, oh, but it's because they have a partnership with this company, so that's why. Like, there are some crappy tools out there that are sometimes shared. And then you, yeah, you, definitely. I'm like, oh, this is the reason you're sharing this crappy tool is because you have, you're getting paid by them. That makes sense.
0: Capitalism. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm a nice ambassador. Ethical questions on I feel on like there. I say
1: that a lot, though. Yeah. Everybody know that I'm a Seesaw ambassador? Are I get a free plus account.
0: That's what I was about to ask. But I don't you use it at all. what you get? Yes, I get yeah. a free
1: Seesaw okay. um, plus account.
0: I don't feel what we're doing on the podcast with Seesaw is is promoting Seesaw. I right. mean, we talk about new updates and new yeah. things that are coming out, not because we want Seesaw to succeed and be the best in the world, just right. because Even we have good. a lot of teachers <laughs> who are using Seesaw yes, right. themselves. Yeah, right.
1: And the nice thing about me having that um, free account is that I can show people different things that I can't show because I wouldn't have a Seesaw for schools account. Exactly, that's not something I would have, but it still gives me, for the most part, the same type of um, tools. So whatever, right. FDC, whatever. <laughs> All right, up next, my favorite part of the show. It's Tech Nuggets. Did you want to start?
0: Uh, I'll let you start because you have three three. on here. I do have three. It'll work out better if you go first.
1: Okay. Um, I happen to come across this today. Uh, It is December. Um, Teaching from the Ridge. Do you know who this is?
0: I don't know who this Um, is.
1: I don't either. But I did see that Iowa City Community School District, they have... um, they send stuff out through Instagram often, but this time I think I saw it on Twitter. They have a little like innovation paper or something, wakelet or something that they do. Anyway, um, I happened to click in that today and they shared this and they're called a differentiation app vent calendar. And so each day it reveals a new um, tool You can, uh, and it's in a slide deck, which is kind of just also interesting way, a new way to use um, the slide deck. So I'm assuming that those slides are hidden, don't you think? So there's one, day one and day two of December. Um, The first one, the tool they showed was Class Time, Mm. which is a rapid fire assessment tool. Yes. And then um, today's, they shared um, Tween Tribune.
0: Which is a good one. Yeah, like which that. is a good one too. Mm-hmm.
1: So there might be some fun things just to go and check out there this month. I don't know what else is going to show up there, but might be and also just kind of an interesting way to see um, a different use for Slide
0: Deck. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. using but that. But I l- don't know
1: who teaching from the ridge is.
0: It is Nate Ridgway, a teacher, speaker, author, and passionate nerd, and Angie Ridgway, who is a teacher, speaker, author, and professor. They co-author the book Don't Ditch That Tech. Okay, I was looking them up while you were talking. Nice, thank you. So nice example of an advent calendar Mm -hmm. app style for Mm -hmm. education. Yeah. Good find. Thank you. All right, so my first pick here is called Toby. Okay, Toby. And I, I was hoping you weren't going to talk about this earlier. Oh. When I had my link to the Google Earth stories collection, oh. do you remember okay. that?
1: No. Yeah, well, I remember s- you talking. What did I say something?
0: No, but oh. it was put together. That little collection of links was put together with Toby. Okay. So what it is here is an extension for okay. Chrome. Okay. And it is for all those people out there, like Mindy Carney, who work with a thousand tabs at one time. Oh, Oh, wow, okay. My tabs are my to do list. I hear that quite a lot here. Yes, yes. And so, what this lets you do is, once you open a new tab, It has all your other tabs down the side, oh. and it will let you drag them over and group them okay. into sections. Mm-hmm. So if you're working on something for blended learning and you've yes. got eight blended learning tabs open, yeah. you drag all those over into a category called blended learning, yeah. and then you've got some podcast tabs open. Yeah. You drag those over into a category called podcast, okay. and as you drag them over and sort them, it closes a tab. Stop. On your browser. OK. And so you can just come back to this one page oh, and like see this. all your yeah. categorized yeah. tabs. And yeah. instead of, because when you get so many, all you yeah. see is that Google Docs icon. Yeah. And you've got 20 of those in a row. And you're like, I don't know I which know Google which Doc that is. is which. Mm-hmm. But you can look at the Toby page and you can organize all your bookmarks yeah. exactly the way you want to.
1: So, my workaround for this is that I do different windows with different tabs. That's even worse. It is because it slows everything down.
0: Yeah, and I you think. don't know which, win- yeah. which things are in which window. Yeah. So,
1: so, I like this.
0: Toby is free for individuals right. that want to use it for an unlimited period of time for work or for personal for use.
1: Unlimited.
0: There is a team uh, package and there's okay. also like an enterprise package. package. Yes. So uh, the Google Earth stories were shared Mm -hmm. as a collection of tabs. So not only can you organize your tabs in your life, but you can also organize some tabs and share them with other people.
1: Oh, I like it. There you go. Okay.
0: GetToby.com.
1: GetToby.com. Well, to piggyback off of bookmarking, um, I came across this um, course called Surf the Five Seas with Wakelet. And then I said to you, what's going on with Microsoft these days? Because this is a Microsoft course. What's great about this is that it's not like behind a sign-in of any sort. Like you can just go um, to, I don't know, education.microsoft.com and then from there, I was in courses and resources and then to courses. So you can find more than just the Surf the Fices with Wakelet. But it takes you through like a how to of how to use the tool um, all and it tells you how long it's going to take you to kind of get through the different modules. But it's all there for you to check out and to learn from. You can sign in, it looks like, and earn 500 points for this course and also receive um, your Wakelet badge. Hmm. Everybody loves a badge. Yes, It looks can. like there might also be an immersive reader badge there, too. Do you think? Are you looking at it by chance? And that blue ribbon, um, doesn't that look like the little immersive It looks greener? like it could be,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so I'm not really sure what's up with this point system. I'm not much of a, I mean, you're probably in Microsoft a lot, using up to date with that a lot more. But um, there were courses like around Minecraft. I'm assuming there's someone somewhere, one about Flipgrid because they kind of have a relationship with one another. Um So, yeah, I just like the idea of there being, like, step-by-step how-tos. They're really, of course, well done. They look nice, super easy to use. So, there you go.
0: Nice work. Yeah. All right. So, my last nugget here is something I saw on the Washington Post, which is the indispensable Ken Burns has a new initiative, a one-stop online resource for teachers. Okay. Okay. Ken Burns has launched a new research site for educators called Ken Burns in the Classroom, and it's on the PBS Learning site. It's an online destination for teaching and learning resources that are inspired by his documentaries. Hmm. So created for 6th to 12th graders. Nice. This has a a library of content that is ready and aligned with state and national standards Mm -hmm. about historical events that have been highlighted in his films. Mm -hmm. So there's clips, there's lesson plans, there's activities, there's discussion questions, handouts, interactives, all linked back to some of the films that Ken Burns has made for Mm -hmm. PBS. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said it's the first time they've put all that stuff in in one place. Uh, And they're making connections to science and social studies and music and art because all of these types of things are factored into, you know, the things he talks about in the Civil War or, you know, the National Parks documentaries, all those kinds of things.
1: Hmm. It's a Google Classroom integration. Did you see that?
0: It does have Google Classroom integration, too. Which, I mean,
1: just means that it... We'll pull that link directly into your Google Classroom for you, but Mm -hmm. still kind of nice. A little quick click of a button there. This looks great. There you go. Huh. Country Music, a film by Ken Burns.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that one.
1: I haven't either. I'm going to have to watch it. I'm not. Okay. That's about right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, my last tech nugget actually comes from Gina Rogers, who was just at um, an OER... Convening, I think is what they call it. Um, she brought home this tool to share with us called um, it's from Digital Promise, the learner variability project. Mm-hmm. What's super interesting, I think, about this is that you can um, there are lots of different um, tools built into it. What you can do is kind of identify a student or a group of students, um, your um, area of, of instruction, like math, reading, and literacy. You choose your grade level, and then it will give you um, different instructional strategies and things to try with your students. Yes. It's a huge amount of information but really kind of ties well together with some of the reading that I, Gina that and I have both been doing um, lately with the Hattie work and finding instructional strategies and when to use them and things like that.
0: Yeah, I remember when Gina showed that to us in our team meeting, I could just about feel my brain melting at the yeah. same time. I'm like, well, this, there was like so much stuff yes, in here. Right? I could get lost in here for yeah. a day and yep. not come out. And... For
1: sure. Yeah, I got real quiet <laughs> in our meeting. We're all yeah. like, wait, what's going on in here? Exactly. Um. So it once again called the um, Digital Promise Learner Variability Project. And we will put the link in the show notes, but um, it's lvp.digitalpromiseglobal.org. So hopefully you can find it from there. But if you can't, then definitely check out the show notes and there'll be a link there to take you to it.
0: All right, all right. I think we're done. Yes. Before we go, we should just okay. give a quick mention to Thomas Griffin, okay, who shared our Flip Classroom episode on oh, Twitter yeah, yeah, recently. Right. Yep. He's a Flip Learning advocate, and I think he must be in the Flip Class chat too mm-hmm. because right. he said, "Hey, we got a mention yes. on the Tech Ticker, right. which yeah. is fun too." It was fun. So thanks for listening, Thomas. And a quick shout out to Stella Pollard, too, who recommended us to someone on Twitter who was looking for good podcasts to listen to. You see that quite a lot, don't you? People saying, hey, I listen to this. What other podcast should I listen to? And it's always nice to get a a mention in there, too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So thanks for mentioning us.
0: Mm -hmm. We have maybe one more episode here. (laughs) Fingers crossed. We'll see. In 2019. We're working on it. We're working on it right now. We'll see if we can get that done.
1: Mm -hmm. All right.
0: But otherwise, okay. we'll be back soon.
1: We will. I am at Team Carney on Twitter, and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at D-L-G-W-A-E-A. You can use our hashtag, Takeout to tag the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at G-W-A-E-A dot org.
0: So, until next time.
1: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.
0: For more information on today's episode, please visit DL gwaea.org slash podcast.